Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and Hunter are here with me this morning, and we're going to talk about ryegrass. It's finally turned cold. We went from, like, summer to winter. We just completely skipped the fall temperatures. We had that one week in October that was kind of fallish, and now it's gone to full-on winter. And it looks like it's going to stay that way, at least temperature-wise, for the next foreseeable 10 days, yeah. at least, which is strange. Unusual for November in this part of the world, for sure. It is, because like 10 days ago or less, I was in shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, less than that. Like, probably like, last like week, Friday. I think. That'd yeah. be about right. I think that is right. I'm sorry. Yeah. We wanted to get Hunter in here because he's a weed scientist and offers a little bit different perspective than what I have on ryegrass, definitely want him to contribute to uh, our discussion. But, Hunter, before we start, you got a big birthday coming up. Tell people what a six-year-old does for a birthday in the Bowman house. So this weekend, we're having a glow-in-the-dark bouncy house party. So that's what our six-year-old's doing. You can put that bouncy house in the front yard or the backyard. We're doing it at the fellowship hall at the church. Very good idea. Solid. Yeah. Keep the kids warm. Yeah. yeah. Keep sorry, the pizza just, warm. We just talked about that. Good point. Keep the kids out of your house. <laughs> Keep the neighbor kids from wondering why they didn't get invited. <laughs> it's just <laughs> that's something you have to consider as an Dude, adult nowadays. It, it is. I mean, because that's, you know, sometimes you may or may not have been that kid or your kids may or may not be that kid. Well, Daddy. How come Johnny's got a birthday party and we're friends and I didn't get invited? <laughs> tough question to answer. It's tough to come up with an adult answer. I was more worried about somebody getting on my neighbor's grass and them not being very happy about it. Won't call any names. A big thing about doing it off-site, basically, you know, not at your house, is the parking. You know, in your case, <laughs> I assume they could park down the street. <laughs> you know, when we had it at our house last year. I mean, it's the driveway or the grass, and the driveway holds a finite volume of cars. Not that we had 50 cars at the five-year-old birthday party, but fortunately it was dry, and everybody just parked in the yard. It was cool. If you do have 50 cars at a five-year-old's birthday party, you really need to reassess your status in this world. You know, that's we didn't. Just, that's just we had more. We it. had more cars than the driveway would hold, though. <laughs> Our driveway was not designed for very many cars. We play Jenga a lot trying to get cars in and out. So We do, too, with just two cars. Exactly. And, and I have two driveways. Yeah, Thankfully, I was going to say, Tom's got two driveways. I've got two driveways, but that's because that house was once upon a time a duplex. So I do have the luxury of two driveways, which is helpful. So if anybody wants to do a glow-in-the-dark bouncy house on what day? Saturday. Saturday. Check with Hunter. <laughs> not tell you what church it is because you might have you might not have enough cake. I'll be down or the enough street pizza. from my house. Pizza's expensive. Okay, I'm gonna start this. I'm gonna give y'all y'all being you two, I guess a status update on where I think we are on ryegrass. So it stayed dry for in most parts for the better part of two months. That pretty accurate. I yes, I would totally yeah, there agree was, with that. There were pockets that got some rain in there, so we had a bunch of fields worked up, ready to go, and then people were sitting on go to put out a fall residual for quite some time on 
beds or some cases flat ground that was unsettled, cloddy, different things. Really needed rain on it before we sprayed. And then, of course, a rain after we sprayed for that treatment to get incorporated. So I think we've got a little bit of all possibilities out there. I think we probably sprayed some on ground that wasn't settled, and it's probably going to look bad in some cases in, I don't know, February. Uh, then we got some that was sprayed on settled beds and, and incorporated, and it's going to look beautiful, assuming we don't get you know, 55 inches of rain between now and February, which is possible some years, not last year. And then we've got some that has just gone out, and that'll probably look really good, assuming that we were able to control anything that had emerged between the time the weather finally broke and it did turn cool and we got a little moisture in that soil profile and when the treatment went out. That's my biggest concern is controlling the stuff that's already emerged this time of year. You know, our weather's cooling off and our best option is probably Paraquat to control the stuff that has emerged with the temperature where it's at. How effective is that Paraquat going to be? That's a slippery slope for sure because we needed that rain, you know, whenever it started two or three weeks ago in, you know, general, you know, when we got big general rains. And so a lot of cases that locked us out of ground application so then we're into using the aerial application and with the little ryegrass you, know, you got a, a one-leaf ryegrass plant it's kind of the same concept of what we talk about with little pigweeds and the big coarse droplets that we have to use with the dicamba treatments now same concept with little ryegrass and a low water volume out of a airplane I say low water volume relative to a ground application I mean you might could just physically miss it and not that that treatment was going to be ineffective, but you just, a drop didn't hit that little bitty leaf that's just poking out of the ground. And if you got a few sprigs of ryegrass in November, so like say even one on an acre, which good luck finding that this time of year, but just hypothetically, that big gnarly clump, you know, one per acre on a 60-acre field in February, you're going to be disappointed in your fall treatment because that's going to look bad because you're going to have that big clump by that point. And it's going to look like that treatment didn't work when, in fact, it probably did. It just, you weren't quite at 100% control when the residual herbicide started working. Well, and have you hit, and this is just popping into my head, have you hit the sweet spot for emergence at this point? Because you did get moisture oh, yeah. that was no. needed. And your temperature is probably right in that nice little area, especially if the sun's out and you're getting a little warmer during the day. Yeah, notice the stuff that just driving back and forth to work, the fields that have just kind of turned green overnight over the past couple of weeks. Yes, there was nothing for weeks. Even when we had that cool spell in October, the temperatures definitely got right, but aside from the pockets that had gotten some rain, there was nothing coming up. Nothing came up around here, or, you know, around Stoneville for sure, because it was just so dry. We even had plots that we worked up two weeks ago, and so last week there was ryegrass coming up in them. So, I mean, we really hit that spot sometime within the past week or so. It's a definite intersection of temperature and moisture. You can have the right temperature for weeks, and if that soil profile is dry, it's not coming out of the ground, and vice versa. You can have plenty of moisture, and if it's still hot 
it's not coming up. Well, and given that the temperature and the moisture situation has changed, how should somebody effectively determine what their trigger point is then for making that application, given that there is going to be some ryegrass that's emerged? At this point, you've got to have, I say got to, we would suggest that you add something to that treatment to control emerged ryegrass. Uh, unless the field work is just getting done and there's some of that going on, you know, it's the, the rain, what was that, Friday night last week? Yeah, I didn't get much out of that. I got more Monday, Tuesday night, whenever that was, this week. But a lot of tractors are parked now at this point, and tractors meaning sprayers too. So a lot of that's going to be an aerial application in either, it doesn't matter, aerial or ground, I think at this point, given our temperature and moisture combination over the past couple of weeks, you've got to have something in there to control emerged ryegrass. And, and there appears to be some more coming, at least in that 10-day forecast. Yeah. But it's not, it didn't look like it was going to be a soaker. It's another three to five-tenths of an inch, half an inch of rain expected, more than likely. And I'm sure that that's going to just do nothing but bolster that that's emerged and give it a little bit more support and then continue to allow subsequent emergence. You know, different from last year, Tom, the temperature right now, compare it with wheat. We always say we don't want wheat to be tall and tillering and great big by the time it turns cold. So that's work your planting date off of that, right? So ryegrass is kind of the same way. So the stuff that we had that came up in November last year, when it stayed 75 degrees, Really, uh, until mid January or December early January, was a warm one last right. year for the for the. So we had of... really really big stuff. It's going to emerge now, but it's not going to just grow and grow and grow and grow like it did last year. And then two, I think if it did stay cold, based on what we have done back down the line, I think that emergence will cease at some point, at least with most of the populations that we've ever gone and, and monitored for when it comes up. You know, usually sometime in mid-December, for us, that germination kind of cuts off. Now, there's nothing magic about mid-December. It's more of a, a temperature point than it is, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head what that point is. I just know that historically for us, most of our populations cease germinating for a little while, starting – mid-December, give or take two weeks. I don't have any data to back this, but from what I've seen and heard, we're getting more into the transition of where it's starting to emerge earlier with warmer temperatures as opposed to once temperatures get cool. And like he said, it kind of ceases. We're seeing more of that. Maybe it's starting to germinate a little warmer than what we're used to in the past. That's quite possible for a variety of reasons. You know, maybe response to management, maybe not, maybe just differences in populations maybe there's those populations that are emerging with warmer temperatures maybe there's something else associated with them that makes them make more seed so you know you get a shift that kind of way year after year after year as you've got more of that population making seed then it just kind of takes over the ryegrass that's in an area well how did it change over the years that y'all used to go out and do some observational 
checking in areas because you did that for a number of years and I don't oh, remember yeah. how long ago that was. Yeah, we you, had, you either went out or Matt went out or yeah, one we, of somebody from your crew went out and checked some specific areas yeah, we had throughout about the Delta. A 450 mile loop that we did for you know weeks on end through the summer. I mean through the summer, through the winter. Yeah, through the end of the fall and early winter if I'm not uh, mistaken. And so what we saw with that, Tom, was it pretty much lined up with what you can find in in scientific literature when the temperature of, of course this is assuming moisture in the germination zone you know that where that seed's going to be laying in the ground when the temperature is consistently below 90 for seven to ten days you can start to see it emerge assuming there's moisture there and then but i never could say this is the temperature where it cuts off ours never was clear enough for that but usually between mid-december and mid-february we didn't see any emergence. And then the other thing that you start to hear Hunter talking about, excuse me, talking about populations changing is I talk to more people about spring flushes now than I have ever in Mississippi. And so when you go back, Tom, I don't know how long ago that was, like 9, 10, and 11 when we made those runs tracking emergence, we had a couple of those populations where we got a significant spring flush. For the most part, the ones that we were looking at, nominal to none, came up in the spring. It was all a fall flush. Now, that's going to change. That can change within 100 yards from field to field, literally, because it's just a matter of what the origin of that specific population is. But then fast forward, the last two or three years – I have more conversations about talking with guys about stuff that is really, really small in March. So maybe that the, a field had a fall residual on it, and, and so you don't have – you're not digging through all this mat of great big ryegrass, but they're talking about really, really small ryegrass in the spring. And so that it's quite possible that we're seeing a shift there as well. So earlier emergence plus, in this case, later emergence. So if you think about when glyphosate-resistant Palmer got so bad, I mean, I was pretty young then, but I do remember we were spraying a lot of pomesophen early spring to control those flushes until we got the crop planted. Do you think that's something that we're moving into with ryegrass where we need to start putting down an early spring residual to carry us into when we plant that crop? You know, it's not outside the realm of possibilities, and we've got some stuff not with that specific thing that you just described in mind, but would cover that, mm -hmm. it amounts to sequential applications of residual. So a fall treatment and then a late winter, early spring treatment. And then you mentioned Palmer, and I think that's a legit example. But then it just popped into my head. I have heard, read somewhere, you know, ryegrass in Australia, it's resistant to basically everything they've ever sprayed on it. I mean, it's... It, dictates everything that they do like Palmer does for us. I have read, I can't remember where it was, but basically the, the ryegrass has started to shatter earlier. Mature plants shattered early in response to harvest date. They're harvesting grain and that ryegrass seed has started to shatter early and earlier. And that's basically resistance to a physical control mechanism. And there's a lot of other examples of that over the, if you go back and really dial into 
I guess weed biology would be the right category for that. There's some other examples of some weeds basically changing their growth habits, emergence patterns, things like that in response to manipulation from humans. Well, and the unfortunate thing is, and I only say this because I think about it quite regularly, it's tough to carry out that type of observational analysis on a 450-mile loop over 15 years. Well, and, and it's hard It's hard to do it on a small scale. For example, if you have a, a small area, three feet by three feet, and you remove all the plants from that, count them, remove them, and then let more come up, you're kind of affecting what's going on in that one little small area. So are you really 100% accurate in your counts? If you do count some that come up later in the spring, well, did it come up later in the spring just in response to there not being anything around it? Like, hey, this is a cool time to come up. There's nothing right here and pop out of the ground. Whereas if it was a solid mat of grass there already, would it that seed not have come up? And that's kind of being devil's advocate, but that's a possibility. I mean, Mother Nature is phenomenal, and none, none of this stuff exists in a vacuum. No, and you can only make as much interpretation from something like that as humanly possible. Because yeah, there's, there's a lot of factors yeah, that can influence in yeah, that there's particular limits situation. To it for sure. Okay, treatment scenarios or options come into play then at this point in the season. What should those be moving forward? So, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we just had guys that worked for 75 days straight because it was dry enough to be in the field and it finally rained, and so they're ready for a break. Keeping in mind that it's important that we still get a fall residual out and that it's not too late, depending on what you're going to plant, there's a lot of options, but you've got to be planning for what you're going to have next year because you also don't want to damage your cash crop next year by the option that or the option that you go with in the fall. If you're looking at rice – your best option at this point is probably going to be something like command. Uh, if you put something like dual out there at this time of year, you know, you're out of rice for next year. So the biggest thing is going to be go ahead and get a plan for next year and making sure you get something out this year and that you put something with it to control what has emerged over the past few weeks. Do those options change then based on the temperature that we have now for controlling emergence? Where we're at with our options in ryegrass, we don't really have a whole lot to control what has emerged. <laughs> Amen. So, no, they don't. If we had more options, I would say yes. You know, there were other herbicides that might perform better in the temperatures and weather that we have right now, but we don't have a whole lot of options, so we got to go with what we have. Tom, as recently as this morning, I made the statement that, yes, Paraquat would work better if it was 85 and you were spraying it out of a ground rig. And, unfortunately, well, not even really unfortunately, just this time of year, that's not realistic. So you've got to probably temper expectations, get it out with the ex- expectation that it's probably not going to be full on 100%. And that's just the nature of doing a fall application. It'd be the same thing with clethodim in questionable environment for herbicide activity, then that expectation has got to be tempered a little bit. There's also been some work done on looking at Paraquat, you know, underwater stress. So we don't have that situation right now, but this spring, so we have a wet spring and we didn't get complete control in the fall. Then we turn around and have a wet spring. What do you do if you've got water stress and you have reduced control with Paraquat then also? 
You got to hit it again. I mean, because that, by that point, that's your only option because by the time that plant is that big, spraying clethanim on it is, I mean, you're throwing good money after bad at that point. I think that's just something to keep in mind that Paraquat is kind of finicky on temperature, water stress, all those things because the way it works in the plant. So with ryegrass control, we're not putting it in the best case scenario for it to be successful, and we just need to be mindful of that. Well, this time of year, it's hard to plan ahead from a weather standpoint, not necessarily the standpoint of what you're putting in that field next year, because in some cases, like you just mentioned, Hunter, if you're planning on rice, you need to do things a little bit different. But if you're considering what the temperature is going to do, look at that long-range forecast and pay very careful attention to that. And that I know sometimes that's a difficult thing to hurdle just based on how much the airport's backed up and every ag pilot and what they're doing and then getting hold of product and all the rest of that. And you brought up clethodim. There's been a lot of concern around clethodim. Is it still effective? That's right. We And we definitely have clethodim resistance in ryegrass in Mississippi. But it's not all resistant to clethodim. And sometimes ryegrass or pigweeds or barnyard grass, whatever it is, pointing the finger at resistance is kind of the easy explanation because that's beyond our control currently. You know, maybe it was something you did, you know, years ago, but right now the current situation beyond our control. And so it's easy to say this plant didn't die because it's resistant, but in a burn-down situation with these two products in particular, I mean, you outlined the challenges with Paraquat, and those are all true. And Clethodim has its own set of challenges. You've got to do a lot of things right, these two products, being Clethodim and Paraquat, to work optimally. And unfortunately, in the time of the year that we're using those two products, targeting ryegrass, conditions are rarely optimum. And so there's a lot of cases where we have maybe not even complete failures, but control less than expected and it's just because the environment sucked and Tom you mentioned airports getting backed up and we know that we can turn in a great big order for burn down you know because we're we're usually not on a field by field basis with burn down that's always exceptions part of the farm may get sprayed now and then it it rains or turns cold or, or whatever and it may be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks before the rest of it gets sprayed. Well, the environment's completely different by that point, not to mention if it's warmed up some and those plants started growing, it's a completely different growth stage too. So burn down is just an inexact science at best because the environment is so, so key in it. And one thing I've started saying like in meetings is – with ryegrass, even if a plant is pretty and green, that doesn't necessarily mean it's healthy. And Hunter mentioned paraquat in being in saturated conditions, and I think clethodim is the same way. I mean, we know we're not going to spray with standing water, but even with the, with the standing water off, that doesn't mean that a switch flips and that plant's automatically healthy, even if it is pretty and green. We talked a lot about temperature. If you just trigger off temperature, if you look at the 10-day forecast, there's two days where we've got good temperatures to spray. The problem with that is it's going to be raining those two two <laughs> days also. So temperature is not always the only thing to look at. Yep. <laughs> it kind of, it, it's a little variable here. 
That's the thing I've come to appreciate after having lived in the Mississippi Delta. It's up, it's down. 20 minutes later, it may not be the same. Tom, I'll pose a question to you. So Hunter and I were kind of rapid fire in there. Did, did that make sense? Oh, it made total sense. So I, what's, the, what's the take-home that you heard from that? I think the take-home continues to be the importance of this weeds, weed in our system and what a driver it is for management. And I think that needs to be the main message that you continue to drive home because it's a resurgent weed. Don't ask me why. I mean, I've seen the same thing driving them down the road. We talk about that. Talked about it last year, probably. I would say we've, we've got the moisture now to get some activity out of our herbicides. So making sure we get something out if you haven't already. Making sure if there has been something emerged recently that you control that as well. And then, you know, getting an early start on it in the spring and, and watch for that. I agree with both of y'all's assessment of this conversation that we just fired off uh, that seemed like it went really, really fast. But I would say that if you have a field that you didn't get treated and say it's too wet now, maybe it's got some water standing in the middles and you, you are know, ready to shut down, then shut down. But be prepared if that field has a history of ryegrass, be prepared to get on it quick. This winter, and winter may be December, if it happened to warm back up and we had three weeks of continuous warm weather like we did last year, or it may be January. But I would definitely want to get out in front of that in the traditional burndown season. And if you have fields that you can get across that have a history of ryegrass, then I would like to see you get something on those, and but also include something to control emerged ryegrass, knowing that maybe I don't get 100% bare ground following my fall treatment plus my, my post addition to that. Appreciate the content this morning from two weed scientists. I think that continues the topic of ryegrass management, which, you know, from where I sit as a plant pathologist, continues to be important. So thank you both, Hunter, Jason. Good to see you as always. Thank you, Tom. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I enjoyed it. Y'all come to the glowing dark birthday party. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.